Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. This is Adam Mangana. And I'm Brian McLaughlin, and with us today is Geraldine Perigay. Geraldine is the founder and CEO of XR Pedagogy. And Geraldine, it is so nice to have you on the show with us this morning. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's a real honor, Sky. Thank you. Absolutely. Would you start off just by telling us a little bit about the mission of XR Pedagogy? Sure, sure. Maybe uh, I can give you a little bit of uh, history. So in uh, 2006, I discovered XR technology for the first time and I participated uh, in a research experiment. And at the time, my husband and I wanted to create a school and, and change education. And in, in fact, we understood that these technologies, the XR technologies, were going to revolutionize uh, education. So for us, at that time, the best thing to do was to help everyone use them. So XR Pedagogy, we believe that uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality should be easy to use uh, for teacher and homeschoolers. And our goal is to help teacher and parents of homeschoolers feel comfortable to use XR technologies. So maybe I can tell you just uh, the three things we are doing. So right now, um, one of the things we do on our website and on our uh, social network is to explain uh, what is XR, the risks associated with it, uh, the application available. And VR, AR, MR are great technology, but um, as soon as you want to use it to, to teach, the, the first question that come up are what equipment is needed? How much does it cost? Is there any danger? Um, what application do I need, where to download, etc. And, and so for the moment, um, we think that XR is amazing, but it's not easy to integrate in the practice uh, in, in the curriculum for all over the world, like not only in the US, everywhere, we, we have the same thing. So, so we launched our first online course this year, and uh, we have a breaking news for you guys. Uh, we called VR and homeschooler where to start, so that's, that's the first. Uh, um, online course that what we provide on our website Excellent. and yeah, beside all the list of application they can find and the free uh, resources so that's the one thing we do and the other thing we do is to develop uh, VR and AR experiences uh, for school and public institution and maybe uh, well we pro you probably heard about XR pedagogy a little bit uh, on about that side because we're working um, on the risk preparedness for um, natural disaster risk preparedness. So we're working from the French West Indies in Guadeloupe and in the Caribbean Sea. Uh, and like many other Iceland, we're, we're prone to flood, to uh, volcanic risk, earthquake, etc., and tsunami. So is there one field where VR is, uh, we think we, it's no doubt is, is the best is for a natural risk preparedness. So we designed a VR prototype for, to prepare uh, young people for hurricane. It was our first prototype. And, and right now we are working with a local institution to develop uh, different VR, AR experiences uh, for natural risk uh, preparedness. And yes, that's, uh, that's us. Um, maybe uh, <laughs> I can let you ask your question as well. <laughs> Incredible, super impressive. You mentioned the uh, the homeschool resource. Is that a, a course that is paid? Can people sign up for free? Can people access that all over the world? How how if for our homeschool parents out there and uh, instructors, how can they access uh, this course? Yeah, it would be a, a paid course, so it would be a, under hundred dollars. So we we wanted something that 
can be accessible. And of course, there will be free content accessible for them to already have an, a, a taste of what it's going to be. And the idea is to help them make their first test. So basically, we discussed with uh, many homeschoolers and they told us, oh, I, I've bought this, this VR headset uh, this Christmas for, for children. And we believe that we can do something with that. There is no idea where to start. And, and this was the question we're coming all the time, where to start. And I started to interview many homeschoolers and, and I figured out at the, at the beginning, I wanted to, to write down a free ebook. And then I figured out there were so many things to explain for them to have the first test, to be able to teach something and make their own opinion about it. So the scores will be a mix of video and also a little workshop. And I explain uh, what can you do if you don't have VR equipment? What can you do if you have a, like a standalone VR headsets, if you have a, a PlayStation VR headset, what are the application you can use at the start to teach something to, to see how is how is your own school working and most importantly how can you have um, how, how will you be able to mirroring uh, and to be able to see what your own scholar is doing in VR so you can follow and help uh, and, and engage him in, in his uh, learning. That's tremendous. I'm not surprised to hear that homeschoolers are some of the early adopters of this technology. They tend to as a community be very open to new ideas and thinking outside the box. I'm wondering, do you think it will be a lot harder for schools and, and large school districts to adopt VR? Um, and if so, what do you think some of the obstacles are there? I'm not sure it would be difficult to adopt VR. I think uh, it's already happening. It's just a matter of time that many and many schools will uh, invest in the VR lab. Uh, I, I'm, I think that the main barrier was the price of the equipment. And, and since uh, the price decrease and, and now there are many different uh, equipment that are accessible, all over the world, there are more and more educative applications that are uh, developed. So, and moreover, uh, with the like pandemic situation and so many children work distance uh, working from home, it's going to be a really a good opportunity. I'm not saying that it's, it's going to be the must have technology for schools, but I'm just saying that for many schools it's going to be a great opportunity and a great uh, advantage uh, to, to take. And I, I think it will come very soon. When, whenever we're talking about great opportunities, there's always this um, natural skepticism or barriers that exist. And you, you really came out the gate addressing uh, some of the fears and concerns. Can you dig a little bit deeper? You know, one of the solutions that you provided uh, the homeschool crowd is, is making sure that they're operating VR in a safe fashion. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about that for teachers who who may have a healthy skepticism about having children in headsets for eight hours a day? What, 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 might, be, uh, what might be some of your guidance around how to operate VR safely? Yes, sure. I, in fact, I was very concerned when I started XR Pedagogy. We, we were very concerned with my husband saying like, well, we are going to encourage this technology, but we don't want to see our children or future children like 
spending all of the time in front of or inside this, this alternative reality and, and lost uh, the track of, of reality, of the beautiful uh, things that can happen in reality. So it was very important for me to, to work on that. So I graduated in a psychology applied to virtual reality. I really work on what exactly can be the risk. And, and to be honest, right now, let's be uh, very um, transparent about it. We are not sure what are the risks uh, that uh, VR can, can have on our children. But what we know is that as a parent or as a teacher, we can be uh, responsible for uh, at, at least be aware of uh, how to make the environment safer, how to communicate with the children. So what we do is we reward uh, this little ebook and you can have for free two posters. And on these posters, we are, we are listing the different recommendations we have for children like from eight to 12 years old. And then for children that uh, are above 13 years old. And, and because we think there's a, a, a difference uh, here because it's not the same maturity and, and they, are not, uh, they don't have the same expectation. So for instance, one of the advice uh, we, we wrote on, on that poster is uh, the amount of time, the duration that should not be too long. Like you don't need, it's not like a computer and can let your child in front of it for many hours in virtual reality you, you need to make sure that it's not too long experience you need to ensure that the environment uh, clear the space and to prevent the child from being injured and, and most of all one thing that i'm very um, uh, i really want to to speak about and uh, spend the, spread the word about it is to ensure you have discussion about the effect with your child and you need to have this communication because uh, it has to be uh, easy for the child to share their emotion after a vr experience because vr experience can be very uh, overwhelming can be a lot of emotion particularly for teenagers and as parents or as teacher, after VR experience, before, you need to talk with them like, what did you experiment? Uh, what was your emotion? Oh, you, you've seen this thing. You, you, you were scared uh, of this or, or at, at the opposite, you were amazed by this. Oh, can you believe that we could do that in reality? Uh, what would you do in reality to, to make this happen? And for them, it will be super important because more and more VR is going to be uh, popular. More and more kids will be uh, meeting other people in VR, working in VR and, and so on. And they will be in a position, they will experiment emotion that can be uh, different than those experienced in reality. So we need to help them uh, you know, explain what they, their emotions are. That's such a powerful point, Geraldine, and it's something that we haven't actually talked a whole lot about on this podcast, um, the importance of just unpacking the emotions with your children, because these VR experiences can be very overwhelming and very lifelike. Um, I'm wondering if that relates to your work with natural disaster preparedness, and I'm wondering if you could maybe um, just say a little bit more about that, because I know you've done some very important work there in Guadalupe around using VR for natural disaster preparedness. Well, th thank you. Yes, I'm very proud of what we did with, uh, with this experience, because... Uh, 
uh, well, to explain that, last year we presented uh, this concrete example of a VR-based training for hurricane preparedness and the challenges and contours. So we worked on how a VR game could help teenagers to be able to better memorize the element of hurricane preparation in a harmless situation for their physical and mental integrity and also to challenge their perception of danger. And that's something we found super interesting that a VR series game, uh, the, the VR series game we've, we've designed is very interesting. VR is amazing for, for natural risk preparedness, but also it, it can help uh, the young people. We can work on their denial of danger. We can work on their uh, emotion that will be uh, experienced if they were um, <coughs> living this, this kind of risk in reality. So this, pro this prototype was about to uh, measure, it was uh, more a research, um, it was more an experience designed for research, but the idea was to measure like, how can we use VR to actually uh, impact their perception of risk and also to teach them all you need to know about hurricane preparedness. And actually, uh, we present this prototype um, and, and the local institution here in, in Guadeloupe uh, and also the, the French Red Crosses ask us to help them develop a VR training for the earthquake risk preparedness and also for the, the flood risk. And we believe that VR is not only a medium to to teach amazing things, to engage uh, and to, to um, make them uh, experiment something in an anomalous situation. But also, we believe that we can work on the uh, psychological state of mind, we can work on the denial of danger, or at least on their, maybe, uh, their perception of risk that could be a little bit low sometimes, if they have not experimented that risk uh, by themselves. Well, that does that make sense for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, Geraldine, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, it, when you think about how to develop these experiences, I know that when we talked offline, you, you guys are working primarily in Unity. Do you have any coursework developed to get kids experience with not just consuming VR, but producing VR and insights to scale that? Because clearly there will be a shortage of VR developers in the future especially in places like Guadalupe, I imagine. So how do you scale up the capacity to create these amazing and life-changing and life-saving experiences? Well, that would be my dream to be able to, to teach that in a, in a free workshop to keep like, look, this is Unity. This is really easy to use. Kids, come on, start, develop their, your own experience. But I, I know for the moment, for us, it's a bit uh, early to go to that state because we, we've noticed that, that there is this, uh, before uh, this happened, we need to talk a lot about what is VR, AR, when to use it, and then, uh, people will start using it. They would like to love uh, develop experiences. But when I say what I say for sure is that when we um, we were hiring uh, developers, VR developers that are experts on on Unity 3D, the the great software to do so, uh, most of them were very young and were very very experienced and senior to to do so. The, when I say very young, it was under 20 years old, and I was super amazed that the quality of their work 
they already don't. The, the, the amount of experiences they have and, and their capability to understand uh, all the, the gamification you can integrate uh, in, a, in, in the use of VR. So what I, I don't know if we are able right now to, to teach to other kids like how to, they can develop their own experience. But when I said there is a, a huge tendency for them to go naturally learn that. And, and maybe in the future, that'll be them who teaching us how to do it. <laughs> it's more likely, I think. No doubt, no doubt. Great answer. Geraldine, you know, we've had a, a conversation kind of ongoing with um, some of our guests about, you know, the benefits and drawbacks of fully immersive technologies like VR versus uh, technologies like AR that are a little bit less immersive. Um, what do you see as being the advantages or disadvantages of those two things? And, and, you know, what is it about VR that's kind of pulled you in that direction so far? Well, uh, I think this is two different things uh, and it's very difficult to, uh, to see which one is the best in which situation and, and, and so on. I mean, for me, uh, I would take uh, the example of uh, a computer and a printer. I don't know if it's a great example, but both of them, both are super important. You cannot uh, live without, and, and there's no way you're going to oppose them or compare them. I mean, I think augmented reality is, is great today because uh, you can take advantage of um, mobile phone and uh, tablets. And in many schools, it's um, the equipment we already have. I think augmented reality is super interesting uh, if you want to engage, uh, especially in something uh, you need to touch at the same time as you need to visualize in, in a three dimension. And I think virtual reality is something totally different. So virtual reality, you are emerged in, in another world. Virtual reality, it's about immersion. It's about uh, the sense of presence. It's about interaction. So you don't want to use uh, this technology for all the cases you want to teach, but um, maybe there can be um, a great example of, of complementarity. And for instance, we, I can take an example that maybe uh, will, will give you some hints about what I think. Um, we recently, we won a challenge uh, and we are going to develop a full XR experience for a vocational high school here in, in Guadeloupe. So we will use uh, both augmented reality and uh, virtual reality. And for, for one thing, um, for one aspect, virtual reality will be super powerful to make them understand uh, the, the risk associated with uh, high, to make them understand uh, um, actually uh, the danger associated with different machines and so on. But augmented reality is super important as well. And, and you can't uh, use one without the others. I, I don't know if that makes sense uh, for you. It does, it makes perfect sense. And uh, well, I've got a little preference for, for VR <laughs> because I think somehow uh, this is uh, easier. Like, I think it's, I mean, you just need to, to put your headset on and, and that's it. I mean, for augmented reality, you need to scan, uh, you need to uh, make sure that your um, mobile phone is uh, powerful enough and so on. So somehow, even though it might be a, uh, uh, 
might be difficult to understand. I think it's easier. VR is easier. So maybe uh, that's also uh, one thing to consider. What is the uh, VR landscape, just for our listeners who are really absolutely fascinated by the geography you're working in, what does the VR landscape look like in the Caribbean? So what are the, the hot spots for VR development aside from Guadalupe where you are? Uh, where are some of the other places outside of the United States in this region of the world, in this hemisphere, that are doing interesting things with VR or AR? Uh, that's a good question. Well, in the Caribbean, see, uh, well, all the islands, um, we are a very small community and we tend to help each other. For instance, uh, my best, uh, the, 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 develop, the best developer I work with is in Barbade, uh, which is a very close island. And I've got uh, a partner here uh, which she's doing um, industrial visits in VR. So uh, they, they help uh, other company visit uh, the industry we have here in Guadeloupe, thanks to VR, because sometimes, well, particularly right now, it's difficult to make them see their work and so on. And sometimes this industry may be uh, very dangerous to visit. Um, so, so that's about the, the, the kind of example uh, of the use we have. It's very uh, tiny market for the moment. Not many people are using it. So I'm super proud uh, to represent that and, and to, to show that wherever you are in the world, these new technology are already here and, and growing uh, little by little. And it's not a matter now about big cities. It's a matter of what is a great tool? How can I use it? And uh, do I need uh, a lot of investment uh, or just uh, internet connection will, will do? And, and that's it. You don't need much more. I mean, for us, it, I did a workshop for India, for instance, and they wanted to use augmented reality application um, and integrate it in their distance learning uh, because they wanted to uh, engage their, uh, their students. And this is something they were doing for many months. When I arrived, I, I, just, uh, I was just here to encourage that, that kind of movement. So it's not only uh, about us doing that here in this tiny place. I mean, this is very important that everybody understand that everywhere in the world, there are teacher, educators, uh, founder of company. They are trying to see what, can, what are the best thing we can do with this technology to encourage education. Like this morning, I was contacted by a uh, person in UK uh, because their parents developed this amazing software to learn French thanks to uh, the song and to learn how to speak a foreign language by singing. And they, were dev they developed a great software back then 20 years ago or 10 years ago, I don't remember. And they wanted to adapt that using VR or AR and asked me how to do it. And they were like, back then in the UK and I'm just here in my small island, you know. So I'm, I'm really uh, fascinated by, by the fact that everywhere there are someone doing great and we need, um, and I really like your podcast guy because this is a good way to, you know, link the community together and, and make everyone aware what's happening. We try on our website to find great application, like not only the, the, the very famous one, but only the, the one that are not so famous, not so easy to find, you know, but also very great. So 
if you want to have a look on all the uh, VR AR application we are listing and uh, we try to also uh, provide some picture and, and video and advice in which uh, topic you can use it uh, and how good is it for an educational uh, use as well. This is a good time to remind our listeners of your web address. If you, if you don't mind sharing your website with us. Sure, sure. It's xrpedagogy.com with a uh, Y at the end. So as simple as that. <laughs> You'll um, have the French and the English version. And hopefully soon uh, other languages will come. Of the, so, uh, of the applications that you list there, what are some of your favorites to show to homeschool parents or to show to teachers? What, uh, what are the ones that you typically start with? I, I would not uh, recommend one in particular saying, well, try this one, then you're gonna love VR. My advice would be more, I like to, this is part of the course I, I will send actually, it would be um, the jobs to be done in VR. What are the jobs to be done in VR? And I want the parents to figure that uh, what are the situation where the homeschooler enjoy the most uh, learning? So I've designed this little, uh, this little formal, this little template to make them uh, actually observe their homeschooler and figure it out, figure it out uh, what are the situation where the homeschooler is, is just uh, taking a lot of pleasure, learning something, is very curious about it. And from there, you can choose an uh, application. And I wouldn't say, well, you want to teach uh, English well, you just go there and then you learn fantastic uh, English and so on. It really depends. I mean, we have to start from your or, or user point of view somehow. We have to start from our students. So it's the student who will actually lead uh, the choice. And well, if I would, I would recommend something, uh, maybe it would be uh, show them the list of application on our website and, and have a look with, uh, with the homeschooler and see uh, what would be uh, interesting for them. But uh, one thing they need to know is that it really also, it really depends on the equipment you have because not, you cannot have access to all the application um, with all the VR headsets. So I, I guess uh, you, you know, guys, but sometimes uh, it's not so easy to uh, install an application that is not coming from the actual store of your VR instead. Let's say you have an Oculus Quest. Of course, it's kind of easy to install the application from the Oculus Store, but if you want an application that is not on Oculus Store, it's on an other store, then it can be a bit technical to do it and, and we provide tutorial for that. But the thing is, I mean, find out the best application and then uh, we will help you to install and to make all this technical stuff happen, happening. But um, yeah, I, I would say let the, the kid choose. <laughs> so one of the things I'm sure you've thought a lot about is using CG or computer generated uh, uh, content versus 360 video. And given that you're in this place that is so naturally beautiful in Guadalupe, uh, what do you think the trade-offs are between 360 and having kids be able to visit places in a 360 experience versus uh, the computer-generated experience that you create around natural disasters, for example? How, what, what research or, or what observations have you made about 
which tool has been more effective or more efficient in learning? Um, I think this is, uh, again, two different things. I mean, 360 video, uh, if you think about it, uh, they have a, a great level of realism. And, and sometimes to, to teach, you need this level of realism. But this, it's, uh, the experience with design, uh, it's more a, a cartoon-like uh, environment. And, but this is a fully immersive experience. So you, you're not limited to this field of view uh, that you may encounter when you, you are actually uh, doing a 360 video experience. And so th that's why it's difficult to, um, to see what are the best. And, uh, because 360 video, I think it's, it's a good uh, first taste. It's a good first taste because it's easy uh, to, you know, to adapt for teacher. It's easy to integrate in curriculum. You can work that with a cardboard. But in my opinion, I wouldn't recommend it. I'd rather uh, focus on a great immersion than on a high level of realism. Like if you have a good sense of presence, a good immersion, even though you don't have much interaction, even though it's just about observing, uh, it's okay. I mean, because when you have a 360 video with a great level of realism and you see beautiful landscape, nice beaches, it, it is nice. But uh, I think if we consider uh, teaching, uh, maybe a, a beautiful video today is enough for that. Uh, a, a high quality video will be enough. Like a 360 video is great and I, I don't want to uh, to say that it's not good, but my opinion, it's better to have a good immersion uh, and, and to have a, a good sensation if you want to teach using VR, rather than a high level of realism. Great answer. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Geraldine, we've had so much fun talking with you this morning. Um, we're, we're so grateful for your time. Uh, where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to contact you and ask you more questions? Well, everywhere. <laughs> we are on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, we tend to be also uh, on YouTube more and more. So feel free uh, to contact us. You can shoot us an email at contact at xrpedagogy.com and I'll be more than happy to answer personally. So right now we are a small team, but uh, we are hiring uh, to be able to answer quicker. Uh, and to have more and more, you know, exchange with the community and all the people, all the teacher, amazing teacher that already uh, take the step to, to teach that, also the homeschoolers. So, yeah. Geraldine, we like to end the show with what we call the contrarian question. And I'll just end with this. What do you know to be true about teaching in extended reality? that other colleagues that work on this technology would disagree with you on? What do you know to be true that other VR developers, <laughs> other people that work in this technology would disagree with you on? I've got the perfect answer for you because I'm very controversial about that. <laughs> I believe that it is useless and it also could be dangerous to use VR under the age of eight years old. Wow. To me, it doesn't make sense because this is not what the children need for is 
development, cognitive development, psychological development. You don't need that when you're under eight years old. I mean, it's amazing. It is super useful and extraordinary after that, for, especially for teenagers, this is great. But under that, I mean, kids need to work on other things. They need to learn to, to interact with the object. They need to build the difference between what is real, what is not real. They need to grow the maturity. And this is not the time for VR. So I know that not all my colleagues agree on that point. And we see more and more company recommend to use VR uh, when you are like three, four years old. But well, in my opinion, this is... And we should say too, your your academic background is in psychology, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, so you are you are very well informed on this opinion. So third grade and up, based on the United States ages, so eight years old and up, VR is a great tool. Under eight, we should be uh, sent. We should we should have questions. We should have pause. No, we should be careful because we're making a big mistake. <laughs> wow. wow. Way to end the show, Ryan. <laughs> oh, right? Seriously. <laughs> a little controversy. Geraldine, uh, next time we have you on the show, we'll have to talk about this more. But we just want to say thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and chat with you a little bit. And we look forward to all the wonderful things that XR Pedagogy has in store for us in the future. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I may add a little, uh, little end sentence saying that uh, even though you already you already try with, with your kid and uh, your kid is under eight, uh, he's not going to die. Uh, it's okay. okay. <laughs> but I, I have, have six-year-old at home. I was kind of sweating it a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, be aware that it's something that to try one time and to show a little bit. But it's another thing to use it regularly, and and this is my point. So. <laughs> I just want to mention that. Thank agree. you so much. I would agree, but I would say any screens. We should limit yeah, iPads. Exactly. Exactly. Limit any screen time under that exactly. age. Exactly. For sure. For totally. sure. Geraldine, have a great day. Thank you so much. This Thank you so much for inviting me. I had such a great time, and and I hope we will have uh, many other conversations because uh, you guys are amazing, and your your job is great, and I'm keep listening to your podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Geraldine. Mm -hmm.